Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is November the 2nd, and our chapter for today is Colossians chapter 3. Well, I'm doing the best I can to just hit the high spots of these very deep and full verses in Colossians 1 and 2. When we come to chapter 3, the Apostle Paul immediately goes into what all of that means, that Jesus is the firstborn. He is the lead in rank. He is before anything. He has created everything. Everything was created for him. If you want to know what God's like in Jesus dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He's all of God we ever see. He's all of God we'll ever know. He's all of God we will ever be able to hold on to because he is the manifestation of God himself walking in bodily form. This is exactly what John said again in John chapter 1. No man has seen God at any time, John 1.18. No man has seen God at any time, but the monogenes, the only begotten of the Father, has come to declare him, has declared him, has exegeted him, has explained him. And so with all of that in mind, we are in Christ Jesus, and if that is the case, He is raised. He is in the heavenly places. He is with the Father at the right hand of the Father. That's where he ascended. This is where Stephen saw him in Acts chapter 7. The scripture says he lifted up his eyes being stoned, and he saw Jesus standing on the right hand of the Father. You say, well, I thought he was sitting. He was, but he stood up. Evidently, he stood up to receive the first martyr of his own body, the church. We come to chapter 3, and the Apostle Paul said, If then you were raised with Christ, with Messiah, if indeed you are in him, if indeed you have died to your old way of life, you're being in Christ, raised to a new kind of life, you are a different person now. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ, the Messiah, is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of this earth, for you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Then Christ, that is the Messiah, who is our life, when he appears, then you also, I also, will appear with him in glory. Now let's look at this verse. First of all, if then you were raised with Christ. Now, this is what's called a first-class conditional sentence in the Greek text. Now, that's a big, long mouthful, and I've talked to you about this before, but I want to remind you. With a first-class conditional sentence, that means that the verb is in the indicative mode. 
indicative. That means it's indicative. It is happening. It's something that is real. When you indict someone, that means it is real. It's a charge. It's for real. It's no longer just theory before a grand jury. The whole idea of the indicative is it is indicative. It is something that is real. It's tangible. It's something that has happened. And so he says that if as though it were a condition. When it is in the indicative mode, everything else, whether it is past tense, present tense, future tense, that all comes back to be interpreted in the mode in which it was written. Now, that sounds hard, but it's not. What it simply is translated and should be translated is since you are risen with Christ. The if is not there to question whether it's real or not, It is there to help us make sense and to assume reality. It would be like you saying the very same way a first-class conditional sentence would be in our English language. If you're standing in the rain, you're going to get wet. If you're standing in the rain, you're going to get wet. Well, that assumes that the reality is true that if you are in the rain, you're going to get wet. Since you are in the rain, you're going to get wet. If you are in the rain, you're going to get wet. That if is there simply poetically to carry on and pose a question. But the assumption that the question is to be answered positively. You are in the rain, you're going to get wet. It'd be like me standing in the rain and saying back to those on the porch in the dry, I'm getting wet. And they would say, well, if you're in the rain, you're going to get wet. The assumption is you're in the rain and you're going to get wet. That's a first-class conditional sentence. You say, well, how does that apply with this? Well, since you were raised with Christ, and we are, that's what the Bible teaches in the book of Ephesians, we are raised with Christ. Romans chapter 6, we are baptized, we're raised with Christ, we are in Christ. And so he says, since you were raised with Messiah, since that's true, because you are, Seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Have you ever heard the statement, that person is so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good? Would you point that person out to me? I've never met one. Now, I've met just the opposite. That is, those who are so earthly minded, they're no heavenly good. But if the Bible says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ... If the Bible says, and of course I'm saying this in the first class because it does indicate that, it is indicative, we are in Christ, we are raised with Him, and if this is true, which it is, and we're assuming everything that He says is true, well then we need to seek those things which are above. That is what God wants us to do, is to seek the Lord and His kingdom what is righteous, what is holy, where Jesus is setting, it says, set your mind on things above, not on things on this earth. In other words, live for eternity, not for this temporary. Live for Jesus, not for yourself. Live for the things that will come, not for 
the things you have right now, because in this life, everything we have is temporary. It's going to be taken away, except that which is spiritual, our salvation. Does that work itself out in the earthly life? Yes, of course it does. That's where we live. But our life is not about this world. Why? Because this world is temporary and everything in it. And so we need to seek those things which are above, where Christ sits at the right hand of God, and set your mind, your thinking, your affection, everything you are. Let it be centered around things that are above, not on things on earth. For you see, your life is not your own. You died, and your life is hidden in Messiah. It's hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, he is our life. We don't have life in ourselves except this physical existence, and then it's going to be gone in a short period of time, and it's over. But in Jesus, we live forever. Therefore, he says, put to death your members. We think about things which are above, not things on this earth. We think of spiritual and heavenly things. That's where we set our goals, our affection, our minds. And he says, put to death your members which are on the earth. What are those members he's talking about? He's talking about the fleshly mindset. Our mind needs to be set on Christ, not on fulfilling the lust of the flesh, fornication, uncleanness, evil desires, covetousness, which, by the way, is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. It's already on us. It's coming more and more on the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. You see, the way we live tells the story of who we trust in and who is our Lord and our God, whether it's ourselves and we're trying to fulfill our own desires and our own dreams, our own wishes, and we just give in to the impulses of our body and we give in to the temptation of the wicked one. We follow the mindset of the world. He says, no, put to death all of these things. And he says, you need to walk in obedience because we're not living anymore as Gentiles. We are living as children of God. But now you yourselves are to put off these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another. Be honest. Since you put off these old things, that's associated with the life we had, not with the life that we have. He says, put on the new man. That's an interesting phrase. It's found in the book of Ephesians as well in chapter four, where he says that we are to take off the old man. We are, it's like taking off old clothes. That's not the way we walk anymore. We need to put all of that aside. It actually says in Ephesians chapter four and verse 20, that we have not learned Christ, that is, in the ignorance of our heart and blindness, living our own life as the rest of the Gentiles, with uncleanness, with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you've heard him and you've been taught by him. There again, that's the assumption of reality. And it says, we've understood the truth that is in Jesus that you put off. That's like taking off old clothes, old stinking grave cloth clothes, what we were buried in. That is our old former conduct, the old man which grows more corrupt according to deceitful lust. That's when we are outside of Jesus. But he says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That's what he's saying in the book of Colossians chapter 3. He says, you need your mind renewed as Romans 12. We need to set our affection on things above, our minds on things above, not on things of this earth. 
And it says, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. According to God, that is in his likeness. This is the Imago Dei. Same thing is talked about in Colossians 3, the image of God. That you put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge, according to the image of him, the image of God who created him. So what is the image of God? What sets us apart from all other creation? Well, men have been talking about that ever since the creation and the fall of Adam. But I can tell you this much, whatever it means, it does mean, according to Ephesians chapter 3, that it has something to do with righteousness and holiness, which Adam lost. He lost that in the fall. That is, the image of God was marred. It was not evident anymore. And so that has to do with the righteousness and holiness. You see, the moment that Adam sinned, he was no longer righteous. Now God had to forgive him and grant him his righteousness. It had a certain knowledge that he lost. He thought he would gain knowledge. No, but he, in the book of Colossians chapter 3 and verse 10 that we just read, the new man is renewed in knowledge according to the image of God according to the one who created him, according to his creator. Now, what does that mean? That means when Adam sinned, he lost a certain knowledge of God. He lost a holiness that had set him apart totally. He was different and is different than any other, but the uniqueness with his relationship with God was lost. That is, it had to be renewed. He lost his righteousness. And only God could clothe him with righteousness from that day forward, just like you and me. Whatever the image of God is, it has something to do with righteousness and holiness and with knowledge, with an intimacy that we gain in Christ. And he says, in Christ, there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian, slave nor free, But Christ is all in all. That means the ground is level at the cross. No religious affiliation, no barbarianism and sophistication or the presence of it or the absence of it. There is no bond or free in Christ, even male and female, it says in other passages. That doesn't mean that all the ranks and distinctions are done away with. It simply means that the ground is level at the cross. Everybody has to come the Jesus way in the same way. There's no special knowledge. There's no mysticism. There is no rank or order as far as who gets saved better than someone else. We all are saved the same way. We're all forgiven the same way. That is through the grace of God by trusting the righteousness of Jesus alone and the grace of God in forgiveness alone and all that we are and all that God's done for us in Christ alone. Now, that's what the book of Colossians teaches throughout. And then starting in verse 12, he talks about the lifestyle And the way of the new man, that is, that person who has become a new creation in Christ. He is elect, he's holy, he's beloved. And he says, because of that, you need to put on, you've taken off the old clothes, the old dead man's clothes. Now put on the new life clothes, which are tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, 
that you bear up with one another, forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another as Christ forgave you, you must also forgive them. But above all these things, he says you need to put on love, that is agape, which is the bond of maturity. It's the bond of completion. It's what keeps us together. And so he says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. The peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you're called in one body. Be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Now, the word of Christ in verse 16 of Colossians 3 bears the same fruit as the Spirit of God in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18. Ephesians 5, 18 and the book of Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16 and following describe the same attitude, mindset, conduct But one says, be filled with the word of Christ. The other says, be filled with the spirit of Christ. Well, which is it? Yes. As we're filled with the word of God and we live out in obedience, God's words, then the spirit of God fills us automatically. We don't have to ask for it. We don't have to. Now, if you do, that's fine. But what I'm saying is when you're walking in obedience to God, the Spirit of God is filling you and enabling you to do that. And that is how we know the mind of God is when we're filled with the Word of God. When we're filled with the Word of God and we're living in obedience to it, then we're filled with the Spirit of God. When we're filled with the Spirit of God, that cannot be maintained without being filled with the Word of God. They have the same results, that is, being filled with the Word of God in the book of Colossians is the same effect, the same sentences, everything as the book of Ephesians when you're filled with the Spirit of God. It is just more delineated in example form in chapter 5 and chapter 6 of Ephesians. But here he gives a summary of all of that starting in verses 18 and following through the end of the chapter. Then in chapter 4, he starts in with masters and slaves and so forth, just like he did in Ephesians chapter 6. And the reason is it's the truth. It's the truth of God. And it's the truth of God that helps us to have joy and peace as we walk on the way. This is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.